0: Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network. We're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and as always, I'm joined today by my good friend and gambling guru, Mr. Chad Ford. Chad, how we doing this morning, bud?
1: We're doing good, man. Weather's back to a little bit of normalcy here in Oklahoma, so it's not it's not terrible to get out of the, out of the house right now.
0: Oh my my goodness, my friend you, you you hit the nail on the head. I I got out yesterday afternoon, went and hit the golf ball a little bit, went to the range and uh, loosened up. It's been a couple of weeks since I swung, and then and then obviously swung by chalk and uh, saw our man Ben Mason and uh, uh, had a couple of uh, adult beverages there and uh, was watching the news. And we'll get into this obviously, but all, all that was on the big screens there at chalk and, and across the sports world was obviously the news of, of tiger's uh, car accident. And we'll talk about that here in a moment, but, uh, uh yeah, it definitely felt good to get out of the house and, uh, and do a little bit of, uh, of, of outside activity, my friend. So looking forward to, uh, hopefully, uh, more weeks of that in the future. So, but before we get into the news, Chad, and obviously we've got tiger story, we've got some UFC, we've got some WWE. We're on the road to WrestleMania, my friend, you know, we love talking about that. But Absolutely. before we get into it, as always, we've got to show some love to our sponsor in our favorite sports bar. And of course, that is Chalk Sports Bar. Now, everybody knows about Chalk, Chisholm Creek Plaza, 1324 West Memorial Road, right? You can follow Ben Chad and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. And again, we're still in the midst of our Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf uh, giveaway, right? So go out, play around a round of golf. Uh, bring your scorecard into chalk. Uh, give it to your server. Right, you know YSO Pod, you know BBS uh, BC Sports Pros Network. Something to let your server know that you're a friend of the pod. You'll be entered into a drawing that will take place on March 31st for a table for four. Uh, in a $200 gift card for Masters Sunday there at Chalk. Best seat in the house, right in front of all the big screens. Right, You'll watch all the action unfold on the back nine on Sunday afternoon at the Masters. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, speaking of the Masters, Chad, speaking of golf, obviously we've got to start off with Tiger Woods. The story broke yesterday, kind of midday, that he had been involved in a car accident. Right, The details were somewhat sketchy as to what was coming out as to how bad it was. Obviously we know a little bit more about it now, right? Broken legs, broken ankle, you know, not life threatening, but, but definitely seemed to be a pretty scary accident. Right, bud?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I was reading some of those reports and, you know, we still haven't gotten definitive confirmation about, you know, how severe the lower, lower half is, you know, if you read the deputy's report um, it basically says that his two legs were basically crushed. But if you read the, what came out in medical last night it was basically his right leg seemed to have you know a couple compound fractures in it um and a couple wounds protruding through the leg and then a shattered right ankle that they were all doing surgery on now when the news first broke i was under the impression he had one leg that was doing compound fractures which would be his left and then the right leg had like a shattered ankle on it so i'm sitting there thinking this dude's not gonna walk for six to nine months i mean you imagine just having Compounded, I I would think if it happened to just one leg and the other leg's fine, that would be a more tolerable scenario on the recovery side. But I mean, the dude still got a long way to go. I mean, I was I was like just like everybody else probably reading the reports and the doctors were talking about like the muscles were swelling so much that they had to cut like a uh, a linear covering over the muscle to allow it to breathe and and swell and i was just like i have never heard of that and that scares the living piss out of me yeah that it was so bad that they had to cut the lining of the muscles because they were swelling so bad on what it was and it it sounds like it's that whole damn leg basically was cut open at one point or another whether it was his you know the the, the tibia and the fibia, the shins the knee the um you know the thigh and the quad and the ankle and i'm like this dude's never going to play golf again at a high level. I mean, it's one thing if you do that at 27, but when you're doing it in your forties, like, ah, that, that it's tough to swallow that. We may have seen the last of Tiger woods competing at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. We've said it before,
0: Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned it there, the age, right? So he's 45 years old, right? Not a, not a spring chicken uh, w- in terms of, of that. Now from a golf standpoint, you know, you do see some guys carry on into their forties and, and have a lot of success. Obviously the parallels that have been made between uh, Tiger and Jack Nicklaus so often throughout their career, right? So, you know, Jack was what I think 46 uh, whenever he won the masters in 86. And then Tiger obviously won it a couple years ago, uh, uh down in Augusta at, uh, age 43, but, yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't sound good. I mean, you, you start hearing about, you know, pins and screws and all the things that were kind of put in during that emergency surgery yesterday afternoon into the evening to stabilize, you know, the both legs. What it sounds like now, I think you're kind of right, is that, yeah, the, the you know, you want to feel... Um, uh, first and foremost, is like, hey, look, you want him to recover as a person, as a human yeah. being, but for all of us who are golf fans and just big fans of Tiger, I mean, your, your next thought immediately kind of goes to, like, I think this might be the last time that we've seen him play, and, you know, we talked about, you know, on the YSO pod with our guy Jay Till, you know, he had a little segment Sunday afternoon with Jim Nance at the G- Genesis yep. Invitational, and, you know, talking about recovering from the back surgery that he had, you know, at the end of December, beginning of the year, I think it was late December, early January, and that he hadn't even really picked up a club and kind of got going in preparation for the master. So that probably wasn't going to happen anyways. You know, obviously now, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you don't really know what to expect kind of moving forward there. But, uh, yeah, uh, scary, scary deal. And, again, glad that he's going to survive and it sounds like he's going to be okay. But does seem like there's a long road of recovery ahead. Uh, Again, probably just to be able to walk again, Jed. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when we think about it and I know we were trading attacks last night, but you think about a dude that you know, he plays the least contact sport basically in the world. And this dude is going to have more pins than basically any professional athlete that's ever walked off the field, you know, between his back, between his legs, between his ankles. And it's just Oh, it's sad. You know, it's sad. You know, anything Tiger's done in his life has always been full out. Like I am, I'm going to wreck this golf course all the way to, you know, I'm going to, you know, basically go full bore on prescription pills and alcohol and, you know, whatever that it's not shocking, right? The rise was so meteoric that the fall should, you know, equal that. And, I think we've seen over the last call it five to 10 years. I mean, just, uh, the, the volatility with tiger, you know, going from the lowest of the lows to coming back on his comeback tour and winning the masters, uh, holding his son, Charlie, like, wow, that is, a uh, man, that's that's a one on a scale and that's a 10 on a scale yeah,
0: yeah the, the man the man grabs headlines chad there's no mm-hmm. one for good bad or ugly right so there, there's no in between you, you you certainly uh have hit the nail on the head there as though we've seen him uh, at the absolute peaks and then obviously seen him at the valleys as well and, and you mentioned you know and we could throw it out there right it's public record and he's he's addressed it in the past as well you know substance abuse problems and and you hear of a car accident you know kind of a single car yeah. accident and you think oh god you know not not again but it seems to be that that was Not the case here, right? It was early in the morning. I think 7 a.m., 7:15 local time out in California. It sounded like he was going to a shoot there at one of the local courses to kind of shoot some bits for uh, for Golf Network. I think in uh, conjunction with maybe uh, uh, Justin Herbert and Drew Brees, and he had done one maybe the day before with David Spade or something like that. Kind of just little funny segments where he's giving them lessons. So headed headed to a gig, right? So headed to uh, to to knock out another paycheck and do some work for uh, for Golf uh, TV. It sounded like, but uh, um, yeah, I mean that's that's you know it sucks that we think. About those types of things, but doesn't seem to be the case, and just kind of seems to be a freak accident, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it does seem to be a freak accident. Like you said, like the guy was just heading to a, a gig basically to uh, make some extra money, and I mean that brings up a question. Like for a guy like Tiger Woods, I you know I would imagine he does. D- does he have like health insurance or whatnot? <laughs> like, yeah. is there? I'm, I'm sure there's a, you know the Tiger Woods Foundation or the Tiger Woods Company that goes out and secures insurance but i'm i'm sitting there going like man if that guy didn't have insurance which i wouldn't surprise me if he didn't i mean you're talking hell (laughs) you know that's gonna be a a a million dollar bill coming out of there yeah um just you know probably with the amount of doctors the attention he's receiving and all that like it's it's the top of the line for for mr woog so i would sit there and think he's gonna have a million dollar bill and if the insurance hasn't dropped him yet, I'm, I imagine his rates are going to go higher.
0: Yeah, bless his heart. You mentioned it. I mean, the, the man has, you know, pins and screws and needles in him from his neck down to his toes now almost, or at least to yeah. his ankles and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, but yeah, w- wishing him a speedy recovery, obviously, uh, as, as so many others uh, around the world, not just around the country, uh, are doing so as well. Sounds like uh, that's going to be the case, but it, it is uh, going to be a long road ahead of Tiger. But uh, yeah, hope, hope to see him back in some capacity, right? Probably won't see him back. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a you know competitive nature uh, moving forward there. I think that may be a bridge too far and too much to ask his fans. But to see him back involved in the game of golf at some point uh, in the not-too-distant future. So, well, well, Chad, you know, what we had on the outline coming into this, we, we wanted to get into the fight game and a little bit of sports entertainment here. And we have to start... With the UFC, I think so. We we had given some love to Dana White in the USC her over the last couple of weeks on the pod. You know, obviously in that little bit of what we would consider a lull, right? Or maybe the, the the doldrums, if you want to call it that, post Super Bowl, into uh, that month, five weeks leading up to the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament. But Dana White was taking advantage, and he was putting the big boys on display almost every single weekend on the UFC cards, whether it be on a pay-per-view or whether it be on the ESPN Fight Nights, uh, they're on ESPN+. And Saturday night did not disappoint either. Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, uh, two of the top five ranked heavyweights in the UFC division right now, and Derek Lewis, I mean, it was just an incredible knockout of Curtis Blades in the second round. Blades goes in to shoot. He's a wrestler guy. Uh, Lewis catches him with an uppercut, and he is out cold. And from a gambling perspective, Chad, interesting to note that this was the biggest upset from a UFC standpoint in over five years, a plus 350 underdog on the black beast that is Derek Lewis. But this was a fun fight to watch, man. But did you catch any of the action?
1: i i caught a little bit of the action and it was a fun fight like you said it's it's two of the bigger guys going at it not i i respect what dana white's doing he's trying to get more exposure for his heavyweight division because the past three years it's all been light heavyweight lightweight middleweight type stuff and some welterweight stuff with you know whether you're talking about conor mcgregor or khabib dustin poirier usman um or john jones like that's that's just where the the, 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 big, uh, big fights are. And so, you know, like you, you touched on it, Dana White sitting there getting a marketing strategy ready for his big boys. Um, you know, because he doesn't want to just have, uh, steep a and, uh, Nagano and Garner, yeah, yeah. basically like, and not everybody know the other part of the division. And, you know, speaking to that, when we start talking about Curtis blades and Derek Lewis, uh, they were ranked third and fifth respected respectively in the UFC and I don't think anyone at home kind of understood that like these are the next guys up, you know, uh, to challenge whoever beats Stipe, uh, Nagato, uh, whoever wins that bite fight. It's realistic to think it's either one of these, which may be Derek Lewis now a Roser struck, yep. which is coming up this weekend. That's right. Fights him or John Jones pops up there. Um, I think it's just whatever the best fights are going to be out there. So, We'll see, you know, I'd still like to see John Jones fight, uh, um, down, you know, for the, the light heavyweight title, but I could understand if he wants to step up and fight, uh, Stipe, which, uh, if, if Stipe beats Nagano,
0: yeah, and that fight is coming up at the end of March, so we don't have to wait long on that. Again, just between February and March, a ton of big-time fights, especially at that heavyweight division, it seems like. But, but Chad, let's talk a little bit about Derek Lewis and a guy that he's been around for a minute. He's 36 years Tons. old, right? Uh, I think he's yeah. got a 25-7 record uh, from a professional mixed martial arts standpoint, but really come on the scene from a UFC standpoint a couple of years ago and was really kind of known more for his post-match interviews, right? So there was the one there he was taking off his shorts Whenever Joe Rogan was interviewing, he's like, "Yo, what are you yeah. doing here?" He's like, "Man, my balls are sweating. I'm hot, you know." So, in <laughs> really kind of a a funny, kind of a, a outgoing, gregarious guy to a certain degree. In a post match interviews, I think he's probably more of a quiet guy uh, out of the ring. But you know, you start looking at the guy's record, Chad, and and I don't know it's that he gets, good. he don't know if he gets the respect that maybe he merits. So he ties the all time record for most knockouts in UFC history with 12 Saturday night. Ties that with Vitor Belfort. And he's also now tied for the second-most wins in the heavyweight division, uh, all-time uh, in UFC with 16 with Frank Mir, Andre Orlovsky, uh, obviously the all-time uh, heavyweight wins leader with 19 there. So he's not far away. And you would think that on this run that he's on, he is going to get a title shot at some point. Maybe maybe not the next fight, uh, but, but at some point maybe later on in the year, he's got a chance to break some records here chad and if he gets if he adds the strap to his resume i mean he's probably going to be a hall of famer right
1: absolutely i think you're right here like his last title fight was in november of 2018 and he fought daniel cormier um so this is when daniel cormier like john jones was taking a leave of absence with his substance abuse and just his crazy life as it is uh cormier became champion and one of Cormier's title defenses was against uh, Derek Lewis. And uh, Cormier submitted him yep. uh, kind of in round two. It ended up being a, a pretty good fight, but that was UFC 23. But um, he had that loss in late 2008, November 3rd. And then he fought three months later, basically March 9, 2019, another headline fight. And he fought Junior Dos Santos. So you're talking about two UFC Hall of Famers, that he lost to in in uh, round two each time. Each each one was a, uh, you know, Cormier was a submission, and then uh, Dos Santos was a knockout. But, you know, every UFC fighter gets clipped with a knockout every yeah. once in a while. It's the nature of the business. But his last four fights, uh, you're talking since November of 20, uh, 2019, he's had, you know wins i mean he's he hasn't lost since that time since that last loss march night so we're coming up on three years since he's 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 or excuse me would that be yeah two and a half two, yeah. two, two years. years yeah three and a half whatever that he's gonna be undefeated so i do sit there and think he's part of the future of the ufc i don't know for how much longer because like you said he is 36 but he's 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 a heavyweight, so he's he's pudgy. He's not your good looking heavyweight like uh, Steve Bay, Nagano, yeah, Overeen, o- uh, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, not not the big cut up guy, I mean, just big brawler. And like you said, it 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 see, he if he catches you, you're going down. I yep. mean, you're not getting up. I mean, the guy is he'd been around the block for uh, call it 10 years, and he's 25 and seven fighting big time fights. Um. I would think, if I would think they would give him or how well Rose Rosa, Rosa stretch, however you say yeah, his Rosa name, Strike. Makes, mm-hmm. Rosa Strike, uh, they would give him a shot. Um, I would think it depends on what Stepe wants to do. If he wins this last one, I think he's probably going to retire. But that's kind of me. Um, would he want to fight Derek loses Lewis for? Hey, one of the last fights of his, of his career. Cause he doesn't have much longer in him. Um, and he, he's done everything he could do. Uh, his main ra- rival was Cormier. I think, I think he'd like to fight John Jones is kind of his last fight, but you know, there's no guarantee there. And even if that fight happens, you know, John Jones for Stipe and whatever outcome comes, you gotta think that each one of them is sitting there going, eh, maybe it's time to retire, but I, I don't know. Uh, it's just, I think, I think Derek Lewis probably has two to three years left in him and he yeah. probably wants a title fight before he, he's gone. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if title fights next or if he'll have to have one more setup fight to determine like a number one contender type situation, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, you're right. You, in, and- I think that that Lewis is is very cognizant of kind of where he falls on the on the pecking order right now, right? Because he even yeah. mentioned it after the fight. Hey, hey, look, it probably doesn't do me any good to demand a title fight right now. I can see what's happening between Stipe and Nganu, and it sounds like John Jones will probably get the winner of that in his much anticipated, you know, move up to the heavyweight division, which that that fight probably take place uh, later in the fall. If I had to guess, maybe early fall, September, yeah. October, uh, November there. But you know, it was interesting to hear. You know, Lewis kind of called out. You know, hey, I'd like to maybe fight. You know Overeem Alistair Overeem a guy who's kind of a legend who's been around forever but you know we just saw Overeem you know a few weeks ago get beat up pretty bad by uh, Alexander Volkov there and the Volkov guy you know he he's kind of come back around right so he suffered suffered a couple of losses and then his his game is really tightened up and such a big big dude just kind of kind of hard to manage there in the ring uh, six foot eight whatever he is seven six Mm -hmm. eight something
1: like that just a big Russian dude
0: but, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for for Lewis. I, I think his story is great. As you kind of mentioned, you know, he's not the polished guy, right? So he's not the uh, – you know, probably the guy that, that Dana White maybe wants, you know, from a flagship standpoint kind of out there in front of the cameras all the time. And, and I don't know that Lewis would even want that much attention as well. But, uh, I mean, he's a fun fun guy to kind of you know, have the interviews. And, and what you see is what you get, right? So he's not pulling yeah. any uh, uh, punches, you know, pardon the pun there. But uh, uh, he is what he is, and uh, I, I think he's a fun guy to root for. And, and the Blades guy – I mean, he's had a a really uh, good career up to this point as well, right? So you think about a guy that has that good of cardio and in the wrestling skills at that heavyweight division, maybe haven't seen a guy like that since Daniel Cormier. And again, Blades much bigger, much longer guy, and and he is a difficult guy to handle. And as you mentioned, everybody gets caught, right, at some point at the heavyweight division. And so I don't think we've seen the last of Blades either. He's just thirty years old. He's relatively young for the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah, he was he was the one that was Dana White wanted to hold the mantle. He looks good. Uh, you know, in his, his record, he was young. Like he was the guy that you wanted, like stepping up there. Him. Uh, I, I personally don't even know if Dana white, you know, likes the John Jones shit show that it is like, there's, it just seems like there's never a uh, situation where it's like, dude, you're the champ. Just calm down, sit back, go play some golf. We'll find an opponent for you in six months. He just, you know, he can't stay out of the headlines for right, wrong, or indifferent. Yep.
0: Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. There, there's a, certainly a trade-off there because he is a name brand and he brings, uh, you know, eyeballs to the to the pay-per-view views. But uh, he he's a little bit of a, a knucklehead uh, from time to time as well, has been, you know, well documented throughout his career. But uh, it sounds like he, he is going to get that fight, the winner between Stipe and Ngannou, and, and that it's going to be fun. I, I'll watch it, Chad. I'll, I will tune yeah. in and uh, I'll have to watch that one. Anytime you see the heavyweights going toe to toe, especially guys at the top of that division, man, it's a it's a lot of fun. So you never know what you're going to get there. And uh, you're always just one punch away, as we saw Saturday night with Derek Lewis. So, congrats to Derek Lewis. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what his next fight is going to be. Uh, well, well, Chad, let's jump into the realm of the fight game, but but sports entertainment here. Let's talk a little bit about WWE. Now, we have uh, unapologetically. Uh, you know, told our listeners as to how big of WWE fans, you know, you and I are. We, we followed it uh, throughout, you know, almost our, our teenage years, you know, through the, through the oh, 90s, yeah. whenever it was the absolute peak and the Attitude Era. It kind of went through the doldrums there and it's kind of come back here recently. But, you know, have to talk about what happened on Sunday night, my friend, at Elimination Chamber, The Miz. He's back in the game, my friend. So he cashes <laughs> in money in the bank on a uh, a, a beaten down and battered Drew McIntyre at the – obviously went through the Elimination Chamber match uh, and then kind of got uh, – beat up by Bobby Lashley there, but the Miz cashes it in. He is the WWE champion once again, and he's heading into WrestleMania. It looks like he may be the guy that's holding the belt there, which creates some uncertainty there for the WrestleMania card, but looking forward to that. But, you know, your thoughts on WWE and what happened Sunday night at the Elimination Chamber, bud.
1: Honestly, I've got this wild theory in my head that, like, WWE is doing Miz a favor on this. Um you know when you think about it miz has been pretty much like a workhorse for WWE now for 10 plus years i mean the guy has done anything they'd ask uh he's been relatively um injury free he's great on the mic he's great you know but let's be honest he's never going to reach the all the the pinnacle of uh, you know a rock a stone cold a, a john cena Hulk Hogan, I mean even Undertaker, as you will, he has been the best mid-card player for WWE, possibly of all time. So I just want to put that out there. I love the Miz. Um, I'm just saying that he is he has fans, but they're more casual fans, I would say, than the die hard fans that just go ape shit um, for some of these interest musics and whatnot. Like yeah. the Miz is liked, I will say. My theory is is that the WWE is doing him a favor um, and he will lose the belt at W at WrestleMania. um, And I think you will see the Miz retire. Really? That's just just my thoughts on, on, on the thing is Miz is going out on top and I, I appreciate what WWE is doing for him, but I just sit there. He's, he's now got two kids. He's got a wife. He has lived the moments for WWE. um, And he's also, Heard all the heartbreak that some of these older stars talk about. Man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And the Miz is extremely intelligent and extremely marketable. Uh, he's gone and got you know this reality TV show, and that's going to give him a paycheck. But my my theory centers around uh, you know they've been in Orlando now for the past year and yeah, a half because a year. of COVID. Yeah, the year, and. They haven't had to travel, they haven't had to do as many appearances, and I think it's been easy to carry on having two little ones at the house, having the wife at the house. Like, I I honestly think they're probably living a pretty mundane and normal life, going and competing in the, uh, you know, basically we train at the Performance Center, and then we also, too, compete at the Performance Center, and we, you know, it's a pretty scheduled life of, we shoot whatever it is, uh, Tuesday nights and Monday nights, and then we're off of whatever. I, w- I would think that would keep him around and he's trying to save up as many paychecks as he can because he realizes after basically COVID is over and you start traveling that schedule again, I think it's just going to be too much and I think he's going to miss his, his wife and his kids too much. So I think, he's, I think they've had this planned out, but that's my theory on the deal. Um, otherwise, I sit there and go, you know, Ms. is great with the Money in the Bank briefcase He's probably not as good with the title yeah, is that's what fair. I would, I would say. Um, and so I, I know they're trying to put Bobby Lashley over right now, um, a little bit and have the hurt business kind of be more involved, uh, as a faction, um, heading into here. And I think that's the right, the right move, the political climate we're in having a, you know, a black guy basically carrying the torch on the, on the championship is, is a pretty good move. Um, So I I think that's gonna go over. And he is he is the big strong brute that Vince McMahon loves, right? Just he loves the
0: super superhero physical
1: specimen. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Vince McMahon would love Zion Williamson and LeBron James. Like get them over. He loves Gronk and whatnot, but he doesn't like offensive linemen too much, right? (laughs) Like they're just they're big, they're not pretty, like you don't see the muscles pop out, whatnot. You know, like my theory with Otis is Otis is setting up to be another one of like to have a career kind of like the Miz. He's probably good on the mic. Uh, He'll say some stuff off color that'll get some laughs every once in a while, but you don't want to be staring at Otis with the WWE title around his, around his waist. Yeah. So to speak, you know, it's a, it's a corny bit whatnot. And you want the, you want the guys like the Roman Reigns, the Drew McIntyres kind of holding the belt. Um, but that's my theory with the Miz. I just, you know, it's either, it's either one of those that I sit there and go, the, the talent is kind of, it's kind of weak right now. It's at a spot where it's not, um, it's not getting the attention as it is. They've lost some people to AEW. Um, so I, I feel like there is a shakeup coming at WWE. I don't think the stocks performed the way they kind of wanted it to, which is it's, it's weird. Like I, I would love to do a podcast, um, one day to where all we talk about is pre WWE going public and post WWE going public. Cause yeah. there's different ways the company needs to be run at that. And you talk about the attitude Era where Vince would kind of let the stars just kind of go off. And, um, you know, it was, it was a rated R show, right? You know, there were they weren't scared to put an ass or a shit out there on the public airways, uh, back in that time. But now, no, 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 no! You can't do that. You know, you can't do the lacy lingerie things anymore. Right? Um, you know, you it's a cleaned up version and it's a more family version of WWE, which they've actually made it tolerable in the, in that instance. But you hear a lot of the stars talk about that as you know. There's some stars that are just so loyal to Vince because he's created such a uh, you know a wonderful environment pre or post going public. Um, but there's also some guys that don't really know Vince that have only been in there um post going public and knowing that it's not just a you know we've all been in those companies where it's one guy making the decisions and how quick you can move and be an agile and going from here to there real quick or it's another thing to where we you have to sit there and go well we're going to bring it up at the board meeting next month and we're going to talk to the board and then all of a sudden the board wants to think about it for another three weeks and Decisions don't just get made yeah. instantaneously, right? Become a and big so I,
0: big lumbering giant at that point. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I too- I agree. I agree, and it, it's, it's it's an interesting take, Jack, on, on the Miz, because I mean I think you're right, and, and I think maybe you know to a certain degree, uh, a lot of us can relate to you know how, how the last year has changed things, right? So a lot of us yeah. are kind of working from home and being more at home, and as you mentioned, you know having the little ones there, it, that's something that from a WWE superstar standpoint, I mean those guys are on the road two hundred fifty to two hundred seventy yeah. nights a, a, a year, and the fact that he hasn't necessarily been or had to do that, right? And they've been somewhat localized, still working. Obviously obviously, but, but working locally, um, you're probably right. I think that's some good insight there as to like, Hey, look, you know, I've made a bunch of money. I've got all these other things going on. Why would I continue to put my body through this? And Oh, by the way, I can stay at home and be with my kids and be with my family. Then yeah, I I like that. That's, that's a good insight there. And, uh, um, definitely, um, uh, appreciate that insight because I, I didn't really think about that, but uh, you may be onto something there, bud.
1: Yeah. And I I just think that's where it's going. What happens when you know, you retire is you got to put over someone younger, than you that the, the crowd's going to look at. And I think they're really making this push for Bobby Lashley um, and the, and basically the herb business, but we'll see where it's going. I would, I would imagine a situation to where, you know, we, we continue this feud and the, the WWE title becomes, it, it's kind of always been, it's kind of the B title. Um, among it and the Universal Championship, right? Uh, I would think McIntyre and Roman Reigns might start something. That's just going to be your your two big guys after we get past this WrestleMania. And the reason I think, kind of, not thinking attendance is lagging or whatnot, but WWE's hurt is they're putting names in WrestleMania um, as the headlines. I mean, honestly, I love Edge, but his time's kind of over, yep. and. I understand coming back for a match, but why are you getting a shot at the universal, you know, title and, you know, the, the Goldberg stuff uh, that's been going on lately, which they always, they always do something like this, but it seems like they're pushing it harder and they're basically trying to get big name guys in there with under, um, you know, with guys that are up and comers to try and put them over. Um, and I think what they've done with Roman Reigns and pushing him, um, oh, with uh, Paul Heyman, I think mm-hmm. has been absolutely incredible, um, and making Roman Reigns look like a bad guy. Yeah, he he works whatnot. better as a
0: heel, right? So,
1: absolutely, he does. Yeah. He yeah. works so much better as a heel. Um, the 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 problem is you just don't have a, a baby face to come up and take him right now kind of in WWE I mean I I didn't understand the booking of just throwing Daniel Bryant basically winner of the elimination chamber or whatnot and then just throwing him um, right, immediately into Roman reigns I just I didn't get that like it, it was almost if you remember a couple years ago when they did Brock Lesnar with John Cena as you know this big pay-per-view match and the match lasted like yeah. 30 Five seconds or, or yeah. Or he yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he uh, suplexed him like, like the, you know,
0: 15 times or something. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, and it, it was just, it was a baffling kind of, you know, they were just making it seem like Lester is just too much of a machine. Um, And it almost seems like they're trying to do the same thing with Roman Reigns right now. It's just basically say that, you know, anytime that guy just walks into the arena, people is, should strike fear into the hearts of everybody. And, you know, I don't think Reigns is just that physically empowering that you think that, like you do about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was the perfect yeah. mix of heel, bad guy. Like, absolutely. the guy didn't need to talk, and you knew, you know, this guy could realistically kick your ass yep. at any time he wanted. I mean, the dude was almost UFC's champion with basically Crohn's disease or... Davicular Titus, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like, he basically didn't have a colon or a stomach. And he was almost UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, the
0: physical and prowess. That- <laughs> uh, yeah, the physical prowess of Brock Lesnar, it, it, it was a different level. Like, he didn't necessarily need to be good on the mic. You're right, because you could see what he could do in the ring. And then, I think you're right, you know, the the UFC background and being a legit badass, you know, like, to, like no, yeah. he, there, it brought a, brought a different element to him. But, you know, you, you mentioned... You know, Roman Reigns and, and obviously Edge, uh, they're going to square off at WrestleMania for the Universal title. We, we kind of thought that that was going to be the case, but obviously it was confirmed uh, Sunday night with kind of their uh, post-match uh, uh, uh uh, interaction there, but uh, you know Reigns obviously beats up on Daniel Bryan as you mentioned. You know Daniel Bryan goes through the Elimination Chamber, he wins, and then the match you know against Reigns starts immediately thereafter. It was kind of reminiscent of WrestleMania 30, but you know whenever we were there yeah. in New Orleans at the Superdome, what seven seven years ago now I think, uh, give yeah. or take, uh, to where um, uh, Daniel Bryant had to run that gauntlet and go through three superstars in one night to win the title, and that was a, a fun moment to be in. But uh, I think they were trying to maybe play on that history of that storyline there. But um, yeah, just just too uh, too much to overcome uh, Sunday night. But, you know, we got Fastlane coming up in a few weeks, right? Kind of a, mm-hmm. a weird, yep. you know, kind of feels like it's maybe squeezed in or kind of crunched in there before, yeah. you know, WrestleMania coming up at the uh, end of March, beginning of April. But, you know, we always talk about that stretch, Chad, you know, that big first two weeks of April, one of the best, you know, stretches of sports entertainment, of sports fandom, right? You think about uh, the Final Four, you think about WrestleMania, you think about uh, the Masters, uh, baseball starting back. I mean, that—that that is, you know, I don't know that's underrated or low key, but that's one of the best stretches in sports fandom in the entire year, right?
1: It it absolutely is, and it comes in a time when, you know, basically the world's opening back up, and I don't mean from COVID, I mean from winter. Um, you know, it's just that first bit of spring that, Hey, we're about to have six to nine months of good weather. Uh, we get outside and I, I really think it, you know, it just, it's a beautiful start to, you know, a new year in that regard. You know, like you said, it's like, okay, we can go out, we can do some things. Um, we're not pulled back by the cold weather. Um, let's really jumpstart this thing. And, you know, like you said, it just leads to. You know, you got WrestleMania, you got the Masters, you got opening day, um, you got March Madness kind of, kind of ending when this is starting. Um, And then three weeks later, you got the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful little stretch.
0: Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to that. And we're going to be doing some fun things at Chalk, uh, kind of leading up to oh, that yeah. stretch as well, my friend. So we're going to have a uh, NCAA men's basketball team giveaway. I think that may be on St. Patrick's Day. I know we're still working through the details on that with uh, with our guy, Ben. Uh, you and me are going to be involved in some way, shape, or yep. form there. We've obviously mentioned the uh, Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf giveaway that's going up. I know I've talked with Ben uh, and me and Barrett and the Yankee Wankers guys are going to be out there for the uh, Champions League final on Saturday, May 29th. So tons of fun stuff that's coming back uh, here. We can get out and do stuff again, right? So it kind of feels right. good to be able to kind of get out and do some live remotes. And uh, we're going to be uh, spending a lot of time up there at Chalk uh, over the next uh, two, three months, and probably uh, even beyond that. But looking forward to the next few weeks. Plenty of fun sports storylines. And then the good weather, as you mentioned, being able to get out and do some things. and join some patio weather, my friend. So that's uh, that's what we're really looking forward to. So, well, well Chad, you know, if one of the things that maybe – we're not necessarily accustomed to in the spring. But, you know, one of the remnants of, of a COVID layover here is that there's actually some college football going on right now, my friend. So <laughs> now not, not what we would consider big time college football, but you know, one of the news stories that kind of came out this, this week and uh, obviously a lot of buzz around Deion Sanders taking over the head coaching role there at Jackson State. And God bless him, he had those kids ready to play because they come out and whip up oh. on, you know, Edward Waters, which I thought was maybe a financial consulting firm. I didn't realize that, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was a college it's but college. yeah they, they end up winning 53 to nothing but perhaps the story was what took place off the field I mean someone broke into the locker room and stole a bunch of Dion stuff and watches and some other you know expensive items and then there was kind of a back and forth as to well they were misplaced and found they weren't stolen and then Dion kind of got back out on Twitter and said no 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 let me set the record straight somebody stole my shit and then we caught them and got it back so I don't know if they were trying to cover up kind of an ugly scene there but you know unfortunate for Dion in in, in that program and those kids is that you know this kind of a, a, a cloud that hangs over what should have been a really neat, cool moment? You know, the debut and such a big victory there. But your
1: your thoughts on this wild story, Bud? I mean, it, like you said, it's it, you're trying to Deion Sanders. I love what he's doing. Like, I I totally get it, and I'm I'm I've got mixed emotions about it as well. Like, love Deion Sanders historically, Black College NAI program, all that good stuff. Um, But then it's like you see someone with an amount of success like Dion's got go to a place like this to where traditionally you just don't go and you don't go get recruits, right? It's not an NCAA, you know. And what they're trying to do is start a a revolution uh, as it is to basically, you know, get up into prominence, get up uh, into respectability within uh, the NCAA. And you have situations like this to where – look, a story like this isn't happening with Alabama. And, you know, Coach Saban is not going on Twitter uh, disputing what the president's or the school's official statement comes in afterwards. And you kind of sit there and think like, ah, guys, like I just sit there and go, if you want to be respectful, you can't be having stuff like this happen. Like even if some, some girl, some trainer or whatnot did go in, and you know went into a bag looked at a cell phone looked at a wallet looked at the watch whatever the case may be and it was stopped by an assistant coach and hey we're about to run out of the tunnel i'm going to put this somewhere else that nobody can get it and we have a football game and then oh crap i forgot you know in our excitement of going 53 and 0, forgot to tell coach, coach sanders that hey man, I put your phone wallet in the locker behind the lock right. uh, and it shouldn't be in your back. Like, obviously, Dion's like weirded out. Because if you think about it from a human standpoint, uh, how big of a shift that's gone on for us to where I would rather lose my wallet than my phone. Yeah, And absolutely. that statement was not said 10, 15 years ago. I mean, I've just got so much crap. And the phone, it's like basically your personal computer now, right? Stores a ton of details for you, stores a lot of contacts. And you realize, man, going through that is, you know, a nightmare to where now you lose your wallet. Like they could probably send you a replacement driver's license. You know, you're not going to be at the DMV for 12 hours trying to get that. It used to be a nightmare going online and getting a brand new credit card. Um, But now with one simple click, they'll send you a replacement, no phone call needed, nothing like that we don't carry that much cash anymore. It's not like people are walking around with five, 600 bucks in their wallet. If they have anything, it's mostly probably 20 bucks or less. Um, and people just don't carry like their social security card in their wallet anymore. So it's like, it's afterthought. But if I lose my phone, I can't contact my wife, my kids, uh, my, my loved ones, my friends within a timely period. And I would challenge, I would challenge you Keith right now. Like, do you know Amanda's phone number off the top of your head
0: I do know this Chad but it's only okay. because I, I well let me tell you why it's because we went to Topgolf yesterday afternoon and that's how they track your account and so I had oh. to I remember putting it into the uh, into the uh, Topgolf thing to be able to, to log her in so that's the only reason yeah. I know it off the top of my head here but yeah you're right I mean all the contacts are, are saved in the phone in, in in losing a wallet is inconvenient for the reasons yeah. you stated but losing your phone now it's like oh that's devastating oh. it's like oh shit that's gonna be a lot of work to kind of redo a lot it's gonna stuff.
1: be like you've got to stand in those AT&T stores or Verizon stores whatever it takes them five hours to set you up your oh. new phone and recover it and all that good stuff and you're just and if it's an uh, if it's an off time which hey you're talking about a weekend at you know six or seven o'clock at night like man that it's just a it's just a bad thing. I mean, I guess you could go around it. and You could probably survive on on emails for the weekend or whatnot, checking it. We we all should just put our phone down at some point. But yeah. man, losing the phone, I it's devastating. I, just <laughs> because I've done it before, I'm sitting there going, "That's a it's a pain in the ass." Yeah, it absolutely, is a pain in the ass.
0: Uh, well, well, hopefully things get better for De- uh, Coach uh, Coach Sanders. And in, in Jackson State. Now, next week they host Mississippi Valley State, which if that name sounds familiar, I think that's uh, that's that's where Jerry Rice uh, played his college yep. football at way back when. So I think the Blue Demon's there. But uh, kicking off a Southwest Athletic Conference play. And again, uh, not... Uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm following it closely, Chad, but it is fun to you know click on the ESPN score lines uh, or whatever it mm-hmm. may be and see some college football popping up in the spring. So that, that has brought a smile to my face in that regard. but uh, uh, hopefully those things uh, kind of get cleared up. They uh, maybe uh, tweak some security protocols or something along those lines there at Jackson State and uh, knock that in the head. so we, we can focus on the performance on the field, not necessarily have to worry about some of these things that uh, have taken place off the field, my friend. So well, well Chad, we're here we are. We're in late February, and we haven't talked a whole lot about Major League Baseball, my friend. So, you know, some hot stove action and some recent storylines that came out this week that kind of led me to say, hey, man, maybe we should uh, do a little baseball preview here, talk a little baseball, and kind of get into it. And, And I think... We'll get into some futures picks and maybe some division winners or pennant winners that we kind of like uh, a little bit later here in the pod. But, you know, have to start with some storylines. And I guess the biggest storyline of the week, my friend, has to be that of Fernando Tatis Jr., a 14-year, $340 million contract with the San Diego Padres. Essentially, you know, both parties intents they kind of come out and said it in the post-interview uh, um, uh, to say, hey, look, I want to be here for life, right? This is my statue contract. And if you're going to lock a guy up for 14 years or for $340 million, you probably are going to have him uh, for the rest of his career. But uh, uh, good money if you can get it, right, Chad?
1: I'm sitting there, and there's been two deals done in the past, oh, I want to call it. 12 months the the one prior it may have been right there on the cusp of 12 but i i for some reason i'm i'm thinking it's right around there but the when i look at sports organizations uh you know i think the padres and the kansas city chiefs did it right you've got your guy you love you got your stocking horse as it is and there's going to be some uh that don't necessarily agree with this strategy but I sit there and go, if you've got a can't-miss guy that you're sitting there holding on to, that you, you've watched him now for two or three years, you know, Tatis has been in the organization for five years or whatever the case may be, so they've known about it. And then Mahomes has been in the organization, I guess, four years now. Uh, sat one year and then three straight conference championships, uh, Super Bowl title, Super MVP up. title, all that good stuff they're only going to get more expensive. Like you want to sign them at basically of the cusp of their height, right? Like you're looking at signing them right when they're on their trajectory to be the greatest thing of all time. You, you live with it that you overpay for a few years, but the price it's going to even out for the time value of money for how long these contracts are. Like by the time we reach the end of the Patrick Mahomes contract, there's going to be a guy that's probably getting paid $50, 60 million a year, um, that's higher paid than him. But you know, you can restructure Mahomes, or you can you know pay as much up front, allow these guys to get out in front of themselves. Um, I, I honestly, I applaud the Tatis contract for one that it seems more devilish, I guess, from the the baseball side because they've got. They've got so many uh, levers and knobs that they can pull, and as owners and as you know, roster development goes with, you know, basically having a guy's seven-year rights when he comes into your minor league system, which I don't, you know, and uh, the the time of service and all that, and I don't necessarily agree with that. But Tatis was already needing money. We know that from the, you know, he took money as a prospect and sold away like a percentage of his guaranteed slot. Uh, which is a fascinating undermarket and seedy belly uh, that I want to understand. The financial structure of of baseball is, is insane. (laughs) You're right. It's crazy. And so I sit there and I go, look, you've got a guy that is, he is a good looking guy. MLB is already putting him on commercials. He obviously wants to be a talker and the face of MLB more so than what, um, you know, like Mike Trout wants to be, yep, he's yep. fun. He's got the dreads, different hair color. He dances like he is going to lead baseball into this revolution that it's going to be. And it's going to be, I, I think it's all about, um, I think it's all going to be about street appeal to where it's, Hey, I'm striking out or I'm hitting a home run. I'm making a flashy play. Cause you've got to do that in baseball, the boring money ball side of baseball. Yep. That is, it has a place, but you can't let it run it. I mean, and I hate to say it, like you can't have Billy Bean and the Moneyball style be the face and the storyline of how to run a baseball organization. Yeah, drawing, draw, drawing
0: walks. Yeah, drawing walks doesn't put yeah. people in, in the seats, right?
1: <laughs> Not at all. You want a situation like the Dodgers, like the now the Padres, like you want them signing and spending money on these big name guys that are going to knock the ball out of the park, that are going to throw it 100 miles an hour by you. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a welcome change, especially post-COVID. I think baseball is going to have a real hard time coming back. Um, I, per- I, th- I just think the limitations that baseball brings is a game. I think it's a – I personally think it's a dying game, whether it is or not. I w- will fail to see, but I foresee sports – you know, soccer is becoming more mainstream in the United States. Basketball over the next 10 years I think will be the – it will challenge, uh, let me say – as one of the most globally recognized and you know very hard-hitting sport. I don't think it'll overtake soccer in 10 years, but I think it's going to start getting close. I think those smaller, smaller nations playing more and more, um, and you're starting to see that in the NBA, the international player coming through. Yep. But uh, I just think baseball is going to have to evolve, and they're going to have to get younger, more outspoken, more street cred, I guess you would say, um, to survive. Uh, and you know, I think Tatis is the guy that's going to start leading that. And he needs to be because he is a, he's a good looking dude, flashy, fun. The girls will swoon over him and his skills are second to none at 22 years old. And I think it's put this guy on the face. I mean, you see what the NBA is trying to do with Zion Williamson right now, like ride the wave, my man.
0: No, absolutely. And you mentioned that the the age at 22 years old uh and to be, you know, such a well-recognized, well thought of prospect. And his stats back it up, right? So I mean, he's yeah. he's hit, you know, 301, 39 homers, 98 RBIs and 27 stolen bases in just 143 uh, MLB games. And that's what's kind of crazy to think is that he's still so young. I mean, his career is just yeah. starting off, but if you feel, you know, good about this guy, you got the guy he wants to be there and who who wouldn't want to you know, if you're a millionaire in San Diego, there's, you know, it's good to be a millionaire anywhere, Chad, but I mean, in San Diego, it's, it's probably not so bad, right? So you get, well, the, I you mean, get the California weather there. As,
1: yeah. California as a whole. And, um, you know, you think about either LA, the Dodgers or San Diego, the Padres, like you've got your choice or you want to watch the greatest player that's ever lived. Go, go watch the angels and watch Mike Trout. Like it is good in California right now to be a baseball fan.
0: Yeah, I agree, 100%. But uh, Tatis' contract, the third-biggest All time from a total money standpoint, only only trailing uh, the two guys there in LA that you mentioned, Chad. Mike Trout uh, with the Angels, 426 million dollar, 12 year contract signed a couple years ago, Uh, and then Mookie Betts, uh, more recently, uh, obviously signed with the Dodgers, 365 million on a 12 year contract. Uh, The former Red Sox Mookie Betts. You know I'm a Red Sox fan, Chad, so that that one stung a little (laughs) bit there. But uh, Red Sox are in total rebuild mode. But uh, we'll we'll get to uh, how I think they're going to fare in the AL East uh, uh, here in a moment moment. But yeah, excited for Tatis. And again, obviously kind of a local tie-in there as well, Chad. His father, Fernando Tatis, was a Tulsa driller, I think, in, in yes, the uh, uh, the farm system uh, there for the Rangers for uh, uh, quite some time, way back uh, uh, whenever uh, you, know, you and I were going to Tulsa driller games whenever we were growing up and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, kind of kind of a cool local connection there uh, from an Oklahoma standpoint. But uh, yeah, seems to be uh, the future in the face of the game kind of moving forward. I, I agree 100%. If you feel that uh, locked in on a guy and you have the financial flexibility to do it. And his contract really is, you look into it, Chad, it's kind of backloaded on the money side mm-hmm. of it. He's not going to make a ton of money on a year. Now he gets a $10 million signing bonus. So that's pretty good yep. too. But his base salary over the next three or four years, I think was single digits from a, or seven figures, let's say, you know, single digits, yeah. but you know, it's and tolerable. not manageable. Yeah. Manageable yeah. from a baseball standpoint. And then it really kind of jumps up into 25, 30 million bucks a year uh, towards the back end of it. But, you know, you talk about the time value of money and, you know, I think from a baseball standpoint, you know, you have to gamble and hope that you know you can bring the game back and that the uh, uh the money will kind of come back into it. But if you know, even if you're wrong, you've delayed those big cash outlays for five, six, seven years, whatever it may be. Uh, probably a shrewd move uh, by the Padres organization here, but uh, they've got their guy. There's no doubt about it. So, well, which had one of the ugly stories that kind of popped up this week. I've got it up here on the big board that the uh, the Mariners captain goes down with the ship. Uh, yeah. But Kevin Mather president CEO of the Mariners. Now a guy who's been in the headlines in the past for some wrong reasons yeah. as well you know he went to a, a Rotary Club meeting there in uh, a Bellevue Washington which I believe is a suburb of Seattle and said some things that he probably shouldn't have right kind of uh-huh. degrading things to uh, uh, some of the former players or current players on the roster about their inability to speak proper English and about having to bring in interpreters and some things that you know uh, you, you, you probably shouldn't have said that 10 20 30 years ago you damn sure can't say those Things now, and, and we've seen that those, those types of you know raw raw meetings with the the booster clubs or whatever it may be in the past, Chad. And, and oftentimes, you know, you'll hear stories come about about you know college football. I think, for example, about coaches saying thing about the rivalry or the the rival team, right? So you think about Bob Stoops, you know, maybe you know taking a shot at Texas or something like that uh, in a, in a booster club meeting. And those things are you know kind of kept within the the the, the room there. Uh, but this was this was kind of different, right? So this this had a little. This was kind of ugly
1: yeah it really was i mean and let's yeah like you said you know boosters or you know donors that are giving you a million bucks at a time is a lot different than the rotary club you know i liken this to a lot of what you and i went to uh back in the day was a lot of like oh just uh, you know the oil getters or the um you know oklahoma energy yeah wildcatters um, lunches and wild stuff yeah, yeah. and aapl type stuff to where hey you're just part of this organization you pay your 50 bucks a year and you get to listen to some um you know just networking and getting to listen to uh, yeah. a prominent individual speak for 30 minutes while you have lunch and you you're absolutely right what's disturbing to be about this is it, it was not his first brush yeah um He was actually basically, he's been with the organization forever. I want to say 20 plus years uh, and was actually promoted to CEO back in, I think it was 2017, 2016, something like that. And all of a sudden he starts having three separate incidents to where he's got sexual harassment or verbal abuse of some kind. And he's kind of one of those that what you do talk about white privilege, he probably grew up in a certain situation. He's rubbed people the wrong way. You know, I, I look at him just like, uh, the Mets GM at that point to where, you know, he's, he's basically just being anti- antagonistic with these females yep. basically being like, you should want to be with, you should want to be with me. Be with me. And, and like not having any regard for, you know, quote unquote attraction or, you know, compatibility or anything, just I'm in a position of power. You should bow down to me and you should do as I, I say, um, and you know this situation about sitting there talking about Japanese or um, you know South America heritage players coming up, and you know being pissed off that you got to pay seventy five thousand dollars a year to an interpreter. To where I sit there and go, why is the seventy five thousand dollars a year rubbing you the wrong? Way? Of all the things that Major League Baseball spends seventy five, I mean, your payrolls 000. in the three hundred million like. <laughs> yeah. What in the world, $75,000 for an interpreter to make sure that some of these guys are comfortable. Like you, they grew up playing a game. They all speak the same language when they're playing the game, but you're talking about these guys are coming over here. You've made an investment of X number of millions of dollars in their contract as it is. And you're complaining about the 75 grand on top of it. I mean, that's like sitting there, you know, Honestly, you know, you go buy a $3 million house and bitching about the $20,000 in insurance you got to pay for, you know, a year. It's like, that's just the peace of mind that comes with it. You got to do it. I, I understand the nickel and dime type stuff, but you got to do it. But uh, again, like I said, I was, I'm disturbed about the fact that this had to have been known to be going on. I mean, obviously the Dodgers paid some, uh, you know, confidential settlements Um, going back for him and yet over the past five years we've been doing this me too and uh equality thing how is this not caught sooner and how are we putting him up to speak in front of people yeah like at some point like do you sit there and go if he's really good at his job we'll make sure he just sits in his office and does his job keep him isolated yeah yeah Like, if you know what's going on, and I'd sit there and go, like, hey, the Dodgers are somewhat responsible for, or excuse me, not the Dodgers and Mariners, are somewhat responsible for this thing because it just can't be done. Um, But also, too, like, just the tone deafness, basically, and the white privilege that, So okay, so this is becoming more of a world and you're going to go higher – you know, basically bring someone in from out of the country to come and help with your company. I mean, that's essentially what happened. And then you bitch and moan about trying to have them be comfortable. I mean, like, Yep, you I, bring I just, them in to be successful, right?
0: Yeah, you, you want yeah, them to be successful absolutely. if you're going to make that investment. And, and you're right from a PR standpoint, too. You know, Major League Baseball, you know, has to be, you know, pulling their hair out right now because, you know, they're, they are oh. they want to grow the game and make it a global game. And it, and it is a global game, Chad. So, you know, yeah. we think about, you know, uh, we go all the way back to, uh, 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 you know, Ichiro and some of the guys that have come over from Japan, you yeah. know, going way back when. And then obviously, the Major League Baseball has always had a pipeline for talent uh, into the Caribbean and into the you know, South America. Yeah central america in in bringing over guys um you know you think about obviously a lot of cuban defections and things of that nature but you know you you want those guys to have success and obviously you know giving them you know english language or have an interpreter early on is going to be part of that and you want to kind of integrate them you know into you know the clubhouse dynamic and stuff but man yeah you gotta um it seems a bit stupid in uh, short-sighted uh, and, and certainly just you know probably based in ignorance to a certain degree um, of not com- or of complaining about you know these types of things and you know I, I'm with you I mean it's obviously not the first time that uh, he's been uh tabbed with maybe saying or doing things that he shouldn't shouldn't have been doing and so i think there was there's probably a long line of history there in you know this was just the the, the moment that they could kind of say hey enough is enough uh you're uh, you're out bud so but yeah i, I you hope that the mariners you know get a guy there in place that uh, is going to be a little more forward thinking in that regard and i'm sure that they will uh but um yeah just uh, just kind of an ugly story there had to throw it in there from a baseball standpoint given that we're talking about baseball this Definitely. week on the pod it's headlines. but um, yeah, yeah
1: yeah it's it's like and and that's what we talk about. Like baseball needs to go through a revolution. And yeah. these these old white guys that are holding these positions in baseball need to recognize and understand. And you hit the again, we talk about hitting the nail on the head. The biggest pipelines and the biggest markets outside the United States for baseball are Japan and South America and like you said, the Caribbean nations. Like I just don't understand how you're not recognizing that and going. These people love your sport. They don't necessarily speak your language. And how, you know, just inconsiderate and asshole of you, yeah. if you want to make your team better, you wow. have to accept that the best players may not speak your language. And yeah. I just, you know, it, that's one of those things that I've never heard an NBA player bitch moaner, or excuse me, GM bitch moaner, complain about having to get Yao Ming a, you know, interpreter. All of a sudden, the Rockets are selling. They accepted it, and in China, oh, my God. How many Yao Ming jerseys, how many James Harden jerseys were sold in that regard? Obviously, the Houston Rockets and the NBA are going through a, a situation right now where they have pissed off the Chinese market, That's but right. I'm just sitting there saying how, like, the NBA is willing to bend over backwards for that Chinese market, even when you've got, like, governments that are you know communism type situations and the nba is still like we respect your culture that's what you want to do great whatever we're going to do everything we can to help and the mlb sitting there going no you're not you're not you're not as good as us, yeah. so there, there's we don't a, want to get you an interpreter. There's a I'm there's sorry. a sweet
0: a sweet spot in there, Chad, between those two spectrums. I think of being completely dismissive and uh, and saying, yeah. "No, nah, hey, we don't want anything to do with you." And then also wanted to grow the game from a global standpoint, but maybe not sacrificing a lot of uh, yeah. uh, maybe human, hu- rights. human rights types <laughs> of situations. I'm with you. I think there's a sweet spot in there between Major League Baseball and NBA, uh, and uh, well, hopefully they'll uh, they'll kind of you know find the middle ground at some point and find that sweet spot here in the years to come. So what. Well, well, Chad, let's get into it, but let's make some picks and let, let's kind of take a look at some futures bets that are out there right now because, you know, obviously uh, spring training getting kind of kicked up here and we'll have a few weeks of that and baseball will be kicking off here in about a month or so, five weeks. But wanted to take a look at some futures bets out there and just see, you know, are, are you seeing any value out there on, let's say division winners first and foremost. So, yeah. you know, maybe what jumps out to you uh, from the six divisions there, from the AL, the NL, you know, what are you seeing from a value standpoint that, that you might put a couple of shekels on here you know, in the next week or two, and then hopefully that will pay out uh, towards the end of the summer, bud.
1: Yeah. And, and if I'm looking at odds out there, there's not a whole lot of value. Um, I think you look, when you look at the different divisions, um, I think they pretty much nailed, nailed it. Um, the two that jump out that I sit there and go, okay, there might be some value there um, one in the American League East. I look at the Tampa Bay Rays getting plus 350 basically to win the division or even the Toronto Blue Jays 350 to win the division. I think the Yankees are good. They they definitely are good. Um, and that pitching staff is going to be unmatched should it stay healthy. Um, but if you look at some of the stats, like every one of their pitchers is injury prone. Everyone that they brought in, they don't, and they let the most like, I guess consistent pitcher they've had over the last 10 years kind of walk and just go back to Japan uh, in Tanaka um, and and play on over in those leagues. So um, that's, that's probably the biggest one, but you bet on both of those uh, teams and one of them wins. Hey, you've made money, but obviously um, I would sit there and, and challenge you to pick between a Tampa Bay and a Toronto and lay your money on that, on just one of them, instead of going both of them. Um, and taking your chance against the Yankees. Um, the other one I kind of see is uh, the National League Central. It's always a crapshoot. Yes. This is the only division in baseballs where I think the leader on the odds standpoint is above a plus 200. Uh, so you're making two to one money on whoever you bet on. And honestly, I think it's going to be a toss-up between the Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Cardinals. Um, I would pick your favorite team and put some money on them. Honestly, whoever you prefer cheering for, put some money on. I don't think you're going to go wrong with either one. Um, I like the Brewers at plus 300. They always, they always are right there. They always seem in the mix. And then the Reds have been up and coming over the past couple of years. Um, but uh, other than that, I think baseball hit or the odds makers hit the nail on the head on those. And I think it's going to follow pretty much chalk when you look at, hey, hey the Dodgers and Padres are going to be there. Um, the, um, the Atlanta Braves are definitely going to be there. The Mets might challenge, but I don't see them challenging this year. Um, the athletics and Astros are probably what's going to work out in the American league West. It's going to be one of the Yankees Rays, Jays. Um, and then the central, it should be the white Sox or twins. So I don't, I don't see how they got it wrong. And I don't see a whole lot of value, which is what the odds makers want you to to have, but I, I do look at the American League East, um, either Tampa Bay or Toronto. And I look at the National League Central and say, pick your pony. Uh, who's your favorite team to root for? And I'd throw some shekels on there. But yeah. um, anywhere else, it's just, hey, you're bet the favorite, you're not getting odds, and your money's tied up for almost nine months until you find out.
0: Yeah, and we think about Tampa Bay last year, Chad, you know, obviously in a shortened season, I mean, they, they were the best team in the American League, right? So, yeah. I mean, that that's uh, you you would think that there will be some some residual effect that will carry right. over into 2021. Now, obviously, they're going to play 100 more games, you know, than what they played yeah. uh, in that COVID shortened season uh, late last summer uh, going into the fall. But uh, yeah, you, you would think that there would be a little bit of value there. And obviously, the Yankees favored for a reason, so we're not going to argue with that. But I like that pick uh, from a value standpoint there between the Rays and the Jays now my, my Red Sox are way down there at 20, 25 to one <laughs> you would have to be a brave man to uh, to take a pun on that one so probably really probably would. leave those uh, leave them out of it this year but I, I'm with you too on the the National League Central you always uh, you'll know, think about the crapshoot that it is between you know traditionally we think about maybe Cardinals and Cubs here more recently but you know obviously a proud history of the Reds uh, uh, kind of winning that division in the past and yeah. the Brewers as well in uh, uh, in Reds like you mentioned kind of an up and comer there but uh, them and the Cubs are both plus two Two seventy-five. Uh, Cardinals the favorite as of right now at plus 210, 215, depending upon your book. And then the Brewers, uh, they're at 3-1 to one at plus 300. I- I'm with you. I think that's where your value is if you can maybe um, uh, back one of those teams and you feel really strongly about one of those teams coming out of the NL Central, uh, probably yeah. where you get some uh, juice on that. But you mentioned the Mets, Chad. A lot of buzz about the Mets, what they did in the yeah. offseason, right? So new ownership group, right? They bring in uh, Lindor from uh, from Cleveland. Uh, a lot of buzz about them. They're, they're the second favorite behind the Braves there in the NL East at plus 175. Braves, obviously, at plus 125. I'm kind of with you. That may be a little premature. Uh, they're not quite there yet. But, uh, you know, a team that I kind of like, Chad, They call me crazy, but – I, I kind of like the Cleveland Indians in the AL yeah. Central, and that you're getting six to one on them. So right, the White Sox are the favorite, almost at even money, minus one hundred five, depending upon your book. Twins right behind them at plus one hundred forty. But you know, I, I've I think that the Indians may have a shot to kind of compete and kind of pull some things off. You think about losing Lindor, and it's like, oh god, you lost your little bit your best player. I mean, they get some some stuff in return for that, and they they were right mm-hmm. there in the running with the Twins in the White Sox last year in that shortened season, and so. Might be just a little bit of value on the Indians at uh, at six to one. And I think they're still the Cleveland Indians for one more season. I think right, so they're yeah. they're going to change it. Uh, I think well, I think there was a report with Washington that came out too, is that they're going to be the Washington football team. I'm I'm jumping back and forth between MLB and NFL here, but kind of a, a common thread is that uh, you know they're going to wait until 2022 to kind of come out with the name. And so I I suggested uh, on on a text thread maybe the Washington procrastinators might be the new new name there. I don't know what Cleveland's going to be called, but we'll uh, we'll figure out what they're going to be moving forward there. But at uh, six. One, I think you get a little bit of value on that one, Chad. So, but before I let you go here, Chad, I, I've got to ask you, you know, World Series. So we we obviously know that that the Dodgers are going to be the favorite, and understandably so. But when we think about the pennant winners, you know. Who do you see, you know, kind of coming out of that? Is, are you just going to go with chalk and say, hey, Dodgers in the NL and then maybe a Yankees, White Sox, or, or Rays coming out of the AL? Who do you got from pennant winning and, uh, and then maybe who do you like as a World Series winner, bud?
1: From pennant winning on the NL, they were one game away last year. I like the Braves a lot. Okay, I, yeah. I love that. Five to PMB one right roster. now. Yep. You know, when you're getting five to one on them to come out in the National League, I feel like that's good good value. Um, I, I really don't see anybody else challenging outside the Braves Padres and Dodgers. Um, and I, I like the fact that Padres might just be too young and, you know, I think the Dodgers are there. I, you know, they improve their rotation, man, they improve their rotation, but I think there's always that, that world series hangover. We don't see too many back-to-back world series champions. It's, it's probably one of the most, Parodied sport. Um, that's why the Yankees in the '90s were so huge with that dynasty. Um, the Dodgers are there every year. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that. They're World Series, their are conference uh, or pennant champions, and all that good stuff. But I think there's just going to be some hangover, and you know, get into that just like with the Chiefs. Uh, it's you can get to that final game, but it's it's still it's hard to when repeat you're, when yeah. you got someone that's young and hungry. Like it's hard to come after. So. I like the Braves coming out in the National League, um, and if I look at the American League, again, you touched on it too. Is you t- you look at a team like like the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, they were there last year. Yes, they lost Blake Snell, but they reloaded that pitching rotation, and their young hitters are only getting better. Um, so I do like I like the Rays. at seven to one on the American League, and um, you know, getting getting those odds but i also like the blue jays like you said um, you know right there at 900 uh so nine to one basically like so those would be the two value picks i would look at from the american league side it's it's not as fun as the national league the national league is stacked yeah and it's it's fun everywhere like like you said it's it's the yankees are the evil empire right now they're going out and getting even more money getting even more pitching and rotation everybody loves to to hate against them. But I, I think the small market teams in Tampa Bay and Toronto might, might surprise them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's good for baseball to have the Yankees up there to be at least competitive, right? Because whether, whether you yeah. love them or you hate them, you need them to kind of be up there and be relevant to have somebody to root against, even if you're not a fan of the pinstripe. So, so yeah, they they would appear to be the villain, uh, the Darth Vader yet again, kind of coming into this 2021 season. But I, I like that Braves pick, Chad. So I think that that's a, a sneaky good there. And from a value standpoint, at 5-1, to one, uh, I'm with you. I, th- I think it's going to come down probably to Braves and Dodgers uh, in the NL. Uh, Padres, you know, we talked about Tatis a lot earlier in the pod they're they're on the rise but i don't i think uh, 2021 might be just a little too soon for them to kind of overcome either of those two squads there. So yeah, good good value picks there, my friend. So well again, uh, baseball will be starting up here soon. We're going to be looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll be at Chalk on opening day, uh, getting geared up for that and uh, going to be excited about that. As we mentioned, we're going to be at Chalk quite a bit here over the uh, the next few weeks, uh, kind of leading up to uh, the Masters and then beyond uh, after that. So, so looking forward to seeing uh, up there, my friend, uh, on multiple occasions here in the next few weeks and months. So, well, brother, I think that just about does it for this pod, and I think we've covered our lines. But again, for our listeners out there, you can follow Chad, Ben, the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at OKC or follow them on the web at chalkokc.com. And more importantly, go check them out at 1324 West Memorial Road. We got some patio weather coming back in. They got a great patio uh, and all the TV screens you're going to, you won't miss a second of any of the sports action here. And it's going to be jam-packed in the months of March and April. So well Chad, you know, I appreciate you joining me yet again, my friend. I look forward to doing it again next week. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, remember that the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Get out there and enjoy this good weather, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Good luck.